Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, December 15th. I'm Leslie Palmer. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy to have you with us tonight. In our top story, we'll be joined by Ann Reed from Operation Rescue, who will go over the organization's annual report on abortion in the United States. In political news in a nutshell, Teresa will give you the latest on who's up and who's down in the race for the Republican presidential nomination. In abortion in the news, Leslie will report on the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to review a case concerning the way the abortion drug mifepristone is prescribed and distributed and how far into pregnancy it can be used to kill an unborn child. Priest for Life pastoral associate, Father David Begany, will leave us with a message for Advent. Please stay with us. Operation Rescue and its army of pro-life activists do a fantastic job keeping tabs on the abortion industry. They counter the lie that abortion is safe for mothers by posting stories, videos, and 911 recordings of women being rushed to hospitals on an almost daily basis. Last week, Operation Rescue published its annual survey of the state of abortion in the United States. Tonight, we'll be joined by Ann Reed, Operation Rescue's senior policy advisor and co-author of the report to talk about what they found. Welcome to the show, Ann. Thank you so much, Teresa and Leslie. It's always a pleasure to be with you. We we always like having you. So the report has good news and bad news. So let's start with the good news on abortion business closings. What do the numbers show us? So this year we had 49 closures across the nation. Uh, Last year we had 88. So you put those two figures together uh, and over the last two years, we've had a pretty profound number of 137 closures. Uh, So that's definitely something to celebrate. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Well, some of the states that saw clinic closures were kind of surprising to us, like pro-abortion New York and New Jersey. What's happening there? Sure. So uh, New York, you have to consider that in that state, uh, even though it's not a huge state, uh, the, the actual number of brick and mortar clinics uh, is significant. It is second only to the state of California. Uh, it has 88 clinics. Uh, so when you take that into consideration and you had uh, we had nine closures, if I remember correctly, uh, over the last year, uh, that's about a 10 percent decrease in clinics. Uh, when you take into consideration the total number, the very large number of clinics they had for the entire state. So that kind of explains uh, the larger number of closures for that state because the starting number uh, was was significant. But, you know, 10 percent closures, nine actual clinics that are not performing abortions that were performing abortions last year. Uh, Like we always say at Operation Rescue, every time a clinic closed, uh, that equates to, to lives that are saved. So we celebrate that as well. Amen. But the report also notes that some new abortion businesses have opened. What can you tell us about those? Sure. Uh, 53 uh, new clinics opened uh, and the vast majority of those are pill only clinics. Uh, Now, with surgical clinics, the the vast majority of those 99 percent of surgical clinics also uh, administer pills. Uh, But the majority of those closures Um, nearly 80%, um, 
I'm sorry, the majority of those new clinics, uh, nearly 80%, uh, were pill-only clinics. So we continue to see uh, this trend of the pill-only clinics, uh, those increasing in number across the nation, and the surgical clinics decreasing across the nation. That trend has been present since 2009. So to continue with that, and so the news on chemical abortion hasn't been good. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on? Uh, sure. So again, uh, that, that trend has continued. We continue to see that happening. Uh, that is primarily driven uh, by the independent clinics. And we can talk more about what Planned Parenthood is doing. But uh, for right now, that trend is, is continuing. Uh, and clinics um, across the nation that are both surgical and pill clinics are adding mail order abortions uh, to uh, the repertoire of, of what they provide. Uh, so that is another issue that um, was pretty, pretty strong, uh, pretty significant finding uh, in the survey. So your report talks about back alley abortions and the term means something different than it did in the pre-row days. What is the new back alley abortion? Right, so times have changed since, since before 1973. And so now what we're calling uh, back, back alley abortions are taking place uh, in the digital back alleys of the information highway. Uh, so women are uh, securing these really dangerous uh, abortion-inducing induce, drugs through the internet and having them mailed uh, through unscrupulous businesses that uh, obviously uh, do not care about the well-being of these moms who are seeking out abortions. And uh, in many cases, they are very dangerous and do not provide um, oversight by a clinician, do not rule out uh, things like uh, ectopic pregnancy uh, and other uh, uh, risk factors that would actually make them clinically ineligible for the drugs. Wow. Well, and one other thing that surprised us was that these dark pharma suppliers are selling abortion pills for less than half the price of bricks and mortar pharmacies. Are they more interested in killing babies than making a profit? Uh, well, I think they are all more interested in killing babies, uh, but not necessarily more than, than making a profit. I think those go hand in hand with all of these clinics. Uh, and something that we, we saw uh, this year was a huge jump. The number of brick and mortar clinics that are actually uh, providing uh, mail order abortions as well. I suppose they looked at the, the profit that these um, these what we call back alley dark pharma or um, abortion suppliers are making. Now, keep in mind that, that those suppliers do not have a building. They don't have medical equipment. Uh, they don't need to because they're only uh, just sending off the pills by mail. So their, their overhead is extremely low. Uh, so now with the um, actual brick and mortar abortion providers, they only charge 14% less for uh, mail order abortions versus the, the pills that are administered within their clinics, but they still have the clinics. Uh, they're still required to have the physical building and the medical equipment. So they could charge less, but they can't charge uh, as much less as these um, back, 
back alley dark pharma suppliers can because they're not required to have any of that overhead. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, so you mentioned Planned Parenthood. Let's talk about them. What was new with the evil empire in 2023? <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, so we continue to see, I don't know that we necessarily, we began to see this last year, but we continue to see it uh, even in a stronger way this year that Planned Parenthood is rebranding. Uh, they're moving away uh, in the names of their facilities. They're dropping Planned Parenthood actually. And where Planned Parenthood was before, now they're inserting health center. Uh, and another interesting thing that we noticed for the first time this year, I've mentioned a couple of times already about the trend that we've been seeing that these abortion clinics overall are moving away uh, from the surgical abortion facilities and moving toward uh, the pill only clinics. But Planned Parenthood is moving slightly in the other direction. They're adding surgical equipment, surgical facilities and moving away from the pill only clinics. It's it's slight, uh, but it's definitely a trend that we're seeing now with Planned Parenthood. Um, and you put all these pieces together, you know, you ask, well, well, why is this? Why would Planned Parenthood be doing this? Uh, I think we've all begun to see that Planned Parenthood has been moving into um, uh, so-called transgender or gender reassignment. And uh, they've been doing the hormonal treatment. And so when you put all these pieces together, it would appear that they may be uh, positioning themselves to take that a step further and move uh, into the, the surgical part of that gender transitioning as well. We'll keep an eye on that. Wow. wow. Well, and there's so much more to this report. And we thank you and your colleague, Sarah Neely, for all the work you put yes. into it. To read or download the whole report, you can find it at the website, operationrescue.org. And thanks for joining us, Anne. We always look forward to having you on the show. Thank Good you night. both so much. I've enjoyed it. Good, Good night, Anne. Night. The U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday announced it will review a case concerning the way the abortion drug mifepristone is distributed and how far into pregnancy it can be used. The Biden administration asked the court to review the case after a three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a decision that would halt delivery of the drug through the mail and shorten by three weeks how long it can be prescribed, from 10 weeks to seven weeks. The court did not give a date for oral arguments in the case, but it likely will be not, not be decided until late June of next year. Also on Wednesday, the court denied review of a related case brought by the Pro-Life Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine that sought to reverse the Food and Drug Administration's initial approval of the drug in 2000. The majority of abortions in the United States now are chemical abortions, so the case has major implications for the unborn and their mothers. Priest for Life National Director Frank Pavone said he was confident the case would be decided correctly. We have been for three decades complaining about the way in which the government has been cutting corners when it comes to this baby killing drug. And I think we're going to see women protected by this court, he said. It's believed that a baby girl diagnosed in utero with trisomy 18 has been aborted at 21 weeks. Kate Cox sued to abort her third child because of the often fatal diagnosis. And a state judge in Texas last week ruled that she could have the abortion. But then Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton appealed the decision to the state Supreme Court, saying the mother's life was not imperiled by the pregnancy. Texas abortion law does not make exceptions for fetal anomalies. The Supreme Court ruled in his favor and against the abortion, but Cox had by then left the state and headed to one that allows abortion, most likely New Mexico or Colorado. Just days after Cox filed her lawsuit, a woman in Kentucky sued that state to be able to abort her baby. 
The woman, identified only as Jane Doe, brought a class action lawsuit on behalf of all women in Kentucky who are pregnant or want to be pregnant and who want to abort their children. Like Texas, Kentucky protects nearly all babies from abortion. The woman is believed to be about nine weeks pregnant. Jane Doe's attorneys urged other women who are pregnant and seeking an abortion in the Bluegrass State to reach out if they are interested in joining the case. The lawsuit says Kentucky's near-total abortion ban violates the plaintiff's right to privacy and self-determination under the state constitution. Jane Doe learned on Tuesday that her baby no longer had a heartbeat, but the lawsuit will continue. A report released Tuesday by the Government Accountability Office revealed that Planned Parenthood raked in $1.78 billion federal tax dollars for the three-year period that covered the COVID-19 pandemic. About $1.5 billion came from Medicaid, Medicare, and Child Health Insurance Program reimbursements, but Planned Parenthood affiliates also collected $90.4 million from the Paycheck Protection Program, meant for businesses and nonprofits with fewer than 500 employees. New Jersey Representative Chris Smith said that money should have been directed to struggling small businesses, many of which didn't survive the lockdown and its aftermath. While President Trump was in the White House, the Small Business Administration ruled that Planned Parenthood affiliates were ineligible for COVID loans. The Biden administration reversed that rule and began letting our tax dollars prop up the nation's number one abortion seller. The Arizona Supreme Court heard arguments this week in a case seeking to overturn a 158-year-old law that protects nearly all babies from abortion. A ruling is expected early next year and will decide whether the 1864 law banning most abortions or a 2022 law protecting babies at 15 weeks will be enforced. A federal judge has ruled that an Illinois law designed to shut down pregnancy resource centers was, quote, stupid and likely unconstitutional. The ruling means Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul will not prosecute any centers under the law signed by abortion-loving Governor Jay Pritzker in July. The state also will foot the bill for attorney's fees to the pro-life lawyers who had to step in to protect the centers. In Michigan, abortion-friendly Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a bill this week that forces taxpayers in the state to fund abortions. On Monday, at the state capitol in Lansing, Whitmer signed the final bill in the Reproductive Health Act, which repealed the insurance opt-out law. Now all Michigan taxpayers will pay for other people's abortions through insurance purchased on state exchanges. The package of extreme abortion bills followed the passage in November 2022 of Prop 3, which invented a right to abortion in the state constitution. And finally, on Wednesday, attorneys from Alliance Defending Freedom were in Santa Fe asking the New Mexico Supreme Court not to invent a right to abortion in that state's constitution. Last year and earlier this year, Roosevelt County and three other New Mexico localities enacted ordinances that prohibit the mailing of dangerous chemical abortion drugs. In response, the New Mexico Attorney General went directly to the New Mexico Supreme Court, asking its justices to find a new constitutional right to abortion without the benefit of any court's prior review. And that's Abortion in the News. To start off political news this week, a new poll from a top pollster in Iowa found that half of likely Republican caucus goers in Iowa want former President Donald Trump to be their state's nominee for president when the primary season kicks off there on January 15th. Trump has only built on his leads among Republicans in Iowa, other key early primary states, and nationally as 2023 nears its end. In Iowa, the Des Moines Register, NBC News, Mediacom poll logged 51% of respondents in support of the former president, an increase of eight percentage points since the same poll was conducted in October. Another 25% in the poll released Monday said they are at least considering caucusing for Trump. According to the Des Moines Register, it's the largest lead any Republican candidate in a competitive primary has had in the history of the poll. 
meanwhile, would-be rivals competing to be Trump's biggest challenger, are floating in the mid to high teens. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis gained three percentage points since October, receiving 19% support. Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley stayed level at 16%, but she is approaching DeSantis for second place in national polls and leads him in New Hampshire and her home state of South Carolina. Trump is leading President Joe Biden by a whopping 10 points in Michigan, a state Biden won in 2020, according to a Monday poll. Trump leads Biden by 10 points among registered voters in Michigan and by five points in Georgia, according to a CNN SSRS poll. Majorities of registered voters in both of the swing states hold negative views of Biden's job performance, policies, and mental acuity ahead of a potential 2024 rematch with Trump. The former president won both states in 2016 against Hillary Clinton, but lost Michigan and Georgia to Joe Biden in 2020 by 2.8 and 0.3 points, respectively. Only 35% of voters in Michigan approve of Biden's job performance, with 39% saying the same in Georgia, according to the poll. Majorities in both states said Biden doesn't have the policies they're looking for in a president, and 69% of voters in Michigan and 66% in Georgia held negative views of the president's sharpness and stamina. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu on Tuesday endorsed former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Sununu, whose state will hold the second Republican presidential nominating contest on January 23rd, is strongly opposed to a Trump candidacy and was expected to lend his support to former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Since deciding not to run for the nomination himself, Sununu has played a visible role in the nominating process, appearing alongside many candidates as they visited his state. This is an opportunity for New Hampshire to lead this country, for New Hampshire to say we're not looking in the rearview mirror anymore, Sununu said in his endorsement of Haley during an event in Manchester. Politico is reporting that the race to replace former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy when he leaves the House at the end of this month is shaping up to be a chaotic mess. California State Senator Shannon Grove, whose political career began as, at McCarthy's urging, has decided against running, while Assemblymember Vince Fong announced he would not run, then changed his mind and announced his candidacy. McCarthy quickly endorsed Fong, although it appears Fong cannot run. Before McCarthy announced his retirement, Fang had said he was going to run for state Senate. California does not allow candidates' names to show up twice on a ballot and does not let candidates withdraw from a race after the filing deadline closes, which happened last Friday. On abortion, Fang gets a 50% rating from Reproductive Freedom for All, formerly NARAL, Pro-Choice America, and Planned Parenthood, meaning he's malleable on the issue. And finally, a leading pro-abortion group is endorsing Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown as the incumbent Democrat fights for re-election against one of three Republicans looking to unseat him. Reproductive Freedom for All announced its endorsement Tuesday, saying Brown is needed in the Senate to prevent Republicans from trying to pass a national law protecting babies from abortion. The group cited Brown's co-sponsorship of the Women's Health Protection and the Equal Access to Abortion Coverage and in Health Insurance Acts, bills both aimed at advancing abortion access and repealing the Hyde Amendment, which bans the use of federal funds for abortion in most cases. And that's political news in a nutshell.
For our final story this evening, we have an Advent message for you from our newest pastoral associate of Priest for Life, Father David Begany. Well, dear friends, uh, in a few short weeks, we'll be celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we say that this time of year is a time of preparation, and we call it in uh, our Catholic faith, Advent, which means uh, to go towards. So we're going towards the birth of our Lord. And it's a time of preparation, not only for the Lord's birth, but also for when the Lord will come again at the end of time. The Lord will come again to earth at the end of time, whenever that is, whenever he chooses with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so we prepare ourselves. How can we prepare ourselves for Advent? Well, one of the best ways to do that is to begin to pray on a daily basis. And so since our access to the internet is so, um, universal, I would encourage you to, you know, go there and find a good Advent prayer. And if you pray that every day, uh, then it, it expresses to God your desire to draw closer to Him and to His Son. And when you begin to do that prayer, then indeed God will draw closer to you and you will draw closer to Him. So that would be one good thing we could do as we prepare to celebrate the birth of our Lord. Other good things could include, you know, maybe some act of kindness. Um, maybe to someone in your life, maybe you haven't been in touch with in a long time. Maybe it's just a neighbor who needs someone to, to talk to. Uh, you know, maybe it's a family member who is separated from the family. And so these are all good things to do to reach out to them in kindness. Uh, and when we reach out to others in love, remember what our Lord said, whatever you have done to the least of these, you have done to me. So in reaching out to those in need, we are re really reaching out to our Lord and, and we're preparing to receive him. And when we reach out to him, he, it is something that touches his heart and he will desire to grow closer to us. And so as we continue uh, with the Advent season, I encourage you brothers and sisters to embrace some uh, what we would call a discipline but you know it's not really a discipline it's something we do out of love for God we begin to pray more we begin to be kinder more charitable and in so doing we express to God our desire to grow closer to him and to his son and to the Holy Spirit and in response they will indeed grow closer to us so may you continue to have a blessed Advent season. May our Lord God fill you with every grace and heavenly blessing, especially the desire to grow close to him. May he give you your joy, peace, uh, contentment, closeness to you. May that extend not only to you, but to all of those in your family and indeed in all of those communities. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priest for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your Pro-Life news updates during the week, please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Pro-Life News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.